Ladies, gentlemen, welcome back to Black and Blurred. Hi. That's Darren. It's me. I'm Brandon. Um, guys, we're rolling. We're hitting the ground running. We got another episode, and this episode is, um, it's kind of a cyclical one. I mean, I feel like I every, every year we've got to do this. You guys have seen the title by now, so you know what it's, what it's about, but um, I think that we are in a good rhythm mm-hmm. because there's something that's always taking place when we have an episode like this. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but really quick, before we jump into it, are there any things that we need to address? Anything, anything at all? Yeah, anything. Um, there was a mass shooting in Maine yesterday, oh, really? I think. Wow. And I think the person is still at about, large. Yeah, yeah, out and about. Um, yeah, wow, this is a school thing. This is a, it was just a bowling alley. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's like 16 people were killed and 30 injured or something like that. Yeah. Well, I think more injured, but a lot of people were injured from like stampeding. Mm-hmm. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Well, um, Former military guy. Oh, goodness. I knew this was going to happen. Pause it. Um, yeah, there's no other information on that with anything that's coming apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming about. Um, yeah. Um, I've kind of been MIA just from news in general, to be honest with you. He's been very busy preparing for the birth of our third son. Um, it's coming in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Is that right? What's today? Today's the 26th or 7th? Yeah, coming in two weeks. 26th. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's been a whirlwind really. Um, but yeah, here we are, this episode, this, now this podcast started with a lot of frustrations. Mm. Um, one of which were frustrations of, of, I don't even know what to call it. Frustrations of, uh, Christians not be really being concerned. Christians not being concerned with, um, hold on buddy. Hold on. Christians not being concerned with what's true and what's false in Scripture. Right. What's false in Scripture. And so we have a special episode. We have a special episode um, today. Mm-hmm. And we have it with the OG yeah. professional party pooper. Mm-hmm. The, the OG professional party pooper, Miss <laughs> Marsha Montenegro. Marsha. Hi, guys. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. Thank you now, for having me. It's great to see you. Now, you know what's interesting? Come here. You know what's interesting, Marsha? Is the very first time we recorded with you, my wife was pregnant. I remember that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is that, is that the little, is that the little and baby? This is him. Mm. This is him, <laughs> all teary-eyed and everything else. Park, you want to say hi? Mm. <laughs> hi. <laughs> No. Uh-huh. <laughs> Say nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, my wife was pregnant with him, and then the second time here, go to mommy. Bye, bye, bye. All right, he's gone again. <laughs> now he's more upset. Uh huh. Oh, is this, the is, this second is episode? Yeah, she was pregnant with this little guy, Nicholas. Oh my you see? goodness! You say hi, Nick. Oh, say hi. He's looking at. Hi. <laughs> now they're all shy. <laughs> yep. Almost. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess so. Obviously, um, with this episode, we have another one. We got a plan with you soon. We've got another one. We got a plan with you soon um, to keep the to keep the fun times running. <laughs> yeah, you're really uh, 
you're really you're building up a a, a team there, a sports <laughs> team or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. three boys. <laughs> yeah, um, that was the prayer. That yeah. was the prayer. That was the prayer. Marsha, how have you been? Oh, I've been busy. I've been uh, good. Thank you. Very busy. Um, oh, as always, I have. Oh, I have a new website. So let me just say that because the last time I was on, I was giving my old website. Oh. And this website is ChristianAnswersNewAge.com. And uh, this is because a, 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 a nice person uh, thought this would be a better fit for me. Mm. And he actually transferred all my stuff over to this site from oh, the wow. old site. And what's good about this is I can put my own articles up. I can go in and edit. Uh, the other the other website you had to know computer stuff to do it, and I had I did have a wonderful um, guy who did it for years and years for me, just you know just as a gift to the ministry, and he put my articles up and everything, and I'm really grateful for that because I couldn't do it. Uh, now he's he's free of all that; he can retire from that, oh, and wow. I'm. I'm doing my own stuff. So uh, that's been keeping me busy because I'm always thinking of uh, other articles I want to get on there or some Facebook posts that I've written, I turn into articles. And there, this is just never ending. I mean, I just don't see the end of it. I just keep thinking of new things I want to get on there every mm. day. Mm. Wow. Well, yeah. So Christian Answers New Age. Yeah. That's actually that's the yeah. website. Christian Answers new age yeah christian answers new age um guys let me tell you something i mean if if you don't know this by now on our episode on our since i mean this is what your third time marcia with us fourth time she's a pro i, think I don't so. know maybe, I think, I think it's yeah maybe fourth, fourth time yeah. I, maybe fourth time because i think we did a couple yeah, in, in one year um but if you have questions on just the biblical nature of things you you know even if you don't care if you uh land on the answer no but maybe even still having some disagreements. It doesn't matter. You can find almost anything on Marsh's <laughs> website. You can find it. It is thoughtful work. I mean, it's thorough. And you're speaking as a former New Ager. So the lens yeah. you're looking through is, is very different um, in that even, even probably before you even have a biblical reason why it's wrong, you you have that immediate kind of red flag of oh I know that this used to belong to my old world so right. I want nothing to do with it yeah. <laughs> right well get, give yeah. a give a quick spiel about your old life I mean we have some new listeners now who might not be familiar with you okay. who were you BC okay <laughs> sure thank you um, yes I was uh, involved in the new age for about twenty years um, I did have exposure to ch different churches growing up, uh, but my family was not really what you would call a Christian family. Well, my father was an agnostic, for one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother was an, a nominal uh, Southern Baptist, and uh, we did go to church, my sister and I, and so I heard Bible stories and sermons, but nothing ever penetrated. And eventually, I got very interested in other religions and other ideas, and I was very drawn to the supernatural. And then in college, I got interested in Eastern religions. And that led me on this journey, you know, after college where I was investigating different things. I had different experiences. 
And eventually I studied astrology and took a seven hour exam, which is what you had to do to uh, qualify for the business license. Mm. Uh, well, you had to pass the exam. You had to take it and pass it. <laughs> you couldn't just take it. You had to pass it. And then you qualified for the business license. And, you know, I, I started doing astrology professionally and I was doing that and doing my Eastern meditation. I also had um, interest in other areas of the new age. Like, you know, I had tarot cards. I had studied numerology. I had, I took a class on palm reading. I believed in reincarnation. Mm. So there, it was just a lot of stuff from the new age, not everything. Cause the new age is really vast. Yeah. You know, no, no one person could be involved in all areas of the new age. It would be impossible, mm-hmm. but I was involved in several of them and very uh, hardened against Christianity, which I saw as inferior. And so the Lord, you know, just, he just drew me to Christ is what happened through a series of things that happened one year. And that led to me giving astrology up and then reading scripture, reading a passage in Matthew eight. And while I was reading that, God opened my eyes and I saw who Jesus really was. Mm -hmm. And I realized I had been on the wrong path my whole life. And that um, if I had died before that moment, I would have been separated from God forever. Mm. And so I just turned my life over to Christ. And I found out a few months later, a young man in an office where I was working part time as a secret astrologer, by the way, Mm. um, only the person who hired me knew about it. Uh, I found out he had been praying for me with a young adult fellowship group at his church. Wow. So that, you know, I, so of course I came out of the new age and, and was a Christian then. And I was a very, uh, I was really at sea. I didn't really know anything and I was in some not so great churches. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was not too helpful either, but eventually I found a good church and, and then the Lord, you know, called me to this ministry full time, which I've been doing full-time since 1998 mm. and also i went to seminary southern evangelical seminary oh, I see, yeah. got a master's in religion and that was part of what my church my church wanted me to get some formal bible training in order mm. to support me in my ministry oh wow so That's i nice. operate as a missionary actually yeah. and i have a mission agency fellowship international mission in allentown pennsylvania Mm-hmm. They have been great. They have they are so supportive and so wonderful. So yeah. I want to give a shout out to them. <laughs> um, and yeah. that's that's you know that's where I am yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. And, and praise God, He's still giving me stuff to do. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> your it was your episode where we coined originally our professional party pooper. Yeah. Yes. Um, it was the, you <laughs> yes. were you were the original professional party pooper. Um, followed closely with Lisa Childers and then Monique Dusan, <laughs> who were just spoiling parties that were going around, especially those were newer parties. Your parties have been going on for a long time. <laughs> right? yeah. You've been spoiling the astrology and numerology and new age party for a long time. But, yeah. you know, the progressive yeah. Christian party and the critical race theory parties, um, at least uh, in the church, were becoming uh, newly um favorite and yeah. popular so uh yeah and just newly newly popper popular iterations of new age like enneagram yeah that's right 
in church that's right yeah. that's right yeah if you guys enjoyed our episode with alexa kramer on the enneagram this is our, our guest today is who she was referencing when she was talking about reading this book richard Rohr and the enneagram secret this this is this is this is our guest this is where the wealth of knowledge and uh a co-author with uh don and joy vigno is that that vino um vino 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 yeah, okay yeah. i thought it looked french but yeah, no, but nobody ever says their name. <laughs> they say it all kinds of ways. <laughs> well, Marsha, through the years, through the years, <clears throat> you have been a uh, kind of underground checking uh, checks and balances for me. When I am just randomly in a place in a ministerial context, and someone says, "Hey, read this," and I'm like, "Okay, cool," and then I read it, and my flags are going up. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, well, this isn't right. Oh, this isn't right. This isn't right. And in, in real time, let me tell you how, what happens. And we, you and I have talked about this extensively. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is people will come to me and say, hey, well, this you're not seeing correctly. This you're not seeing correctly. And something I get frustrated about is I start to believe that. But instead mm-hmm. of me saying, okay, you're right, I'd be like, all right, I'll be back. <laughs> I go home, I call up the OG party pooper, and I take some pictures, and I say, hey, read this chapter. Tell me what you think. And she's like, oh, that's concerning. (laughs) And the most recent... I think it was last year you and I had this conversation, or was this a few a few years ago? I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if it was last year or the year before. I, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. It was one of those. Well, when I was in seminary, when I was in seminary, we read this as seminarians. Emotionally healthy spirituality. Um, emotionally yeah. healthy spirituality. Now, when I was in seminary, I was also newly devoted to Christ. Newly following the Lord. And there were a lot of things that stood out to me that I enjoyed about this book. Even when I found, this is my old seminary book. When I found this book, there were highlights and, and markings of me, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I like this. I uh, agree with this. I amen this. And I actually stumbled upon this book again because we had to read it um, together. Um, uh, you know, as a team, team that I'm on now, we had to read it and I'm thinking, oh, I remember this book from seminary. And as soon as I flipped the page open, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> what is this? Oh no. Whoa. What is, <laughs> and I, and I asked you if you had heard about it. And so we, I want to dive into this a little bit because you just recently did an article on this book and this book, I think yes. is not super well known yet. The methodology and the way that the false teachings in this book find their way in the church are a dime a dozen, wouldn't you say? Marsha? Yes. Oh, oh, oh. Am I delayed on your end? I don't know. So Every once in a while, but, uh, sometimes you freeze up or I freeze up, but oh, I've been, I haven't okay. had any trouble hearing you. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm I, was you. Saying, I was saying that even though this book is less popular, I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty popular, but it's not as popular where people all across the country know about it. Um, right. But the methodology by which it infuses heretical teachings into Christian Languages or Christianese, I would say, 
Um, that method is all across the board when it comes down to things we should stay away from, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes, definitely. And, you know, I think that he, he, the way he writes what his ideas, it, he writes them in such a way that, first of all, a lot of times it's something people can relate to. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, he brings in the scripture. And I think most people reading think, oh, yeah, I never thought about that before when, with that passage, but that makes sense because he he's able to present it as though it's just the reasonable thing. Right. Um, and but if you really think about it or you look at the passage in context, what he's saying doesn't really, you know, what he thinks isn't supported by the passage in mm -hmm. context. And he also, unfortunately, recommends a lot of sources and people that are very problematic. And a lot of these people are recommended by other people. So some people reading this won't be surprised or won't think there's anything wrong with these people because they've probably heard of them or seen them recommended by other people too. Mm. Um, and, and a lot of people are just trusting what they read or trusting the person who told them to read this book. Um, and, and a lot of people are saying, oh, it's so helpful mm -hmm. uh, that I think a lot of people don't want to think that there could be something wrong with a book that's being recommended by somebody they know or by a pastor or by the, their seminary or whatever the case yeah. may be. They don't want to think there's something wrong with this because if they start thinking that way, then, they, then they're going to feel okay, now do I need to tell, <laughs> do I need to tell this person? Yeah, or do I need to go tell my professor or my pastor that I'm having issues? And that's a, that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to Very. do. A lot, a lot of people just will say, I know something's wrong, but I don't know what it is. So mm. I can't explain it. I yeah. can't, you know, I can't go talk about it because I don't know how to explain why I think it's wrong. Yeah. You and know, that's, that just is, you know, that's, I just see that all the time. Something that has always uh, given me just a desire to deal, to talk about this is I think that many Christians can see the fruits of, um, I don't know, I guess just poor biblical discipleship. Um, we notice the fruits of it. We, we can see Christians who believe completely false things and then ask the question, well, how did you get there? How on earth did you get to this place? How on earth did a progressive Christian find themselves on the bridge to thinking they're Christian while believing in and loving everything that Jesus hates. How did that happen? And I believe that those bridges are layered with teachings like this. Yes. Uh, yeah. Now, I agree. In the beginning, the, the author, Peter Scazzaro, um, first of all, <laughs> I always thought the cover was more profound than people knew because... Mm -hmm. It's the surface that people are attracted to, the teachings on the surface. But underneath is a myriad of heretical foundations that will lead you away from the truth of the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, but the beginning, he, he opens up with, <clears throat> I want to just summarize kind of the beginning in this need for emotionally healthy spirituality. The first thing that caught me. Um, he talks about the traditional approach to, I guess, sanctification. You meet Jesus, you attend church, uh, you connect, serve, and give, and then you impact the world, uh, you know, wherever he gets that from. 
Uh, but what we really need is the transformative, where we meet Jesus, we attend church, and then we have emotionally healthy spirituality course and emotionally healthy relationships course, and then we impact the world. And also our impact on the world is just so much better is big. Than, than everything else. You get the- <laughs> um, what can, when you read that part, any, what went through your mind with just his kind of uh, need for emotionally healthy spirituality? Yeah, I want, one of the reactions I had was that, first of all, this was a, a straw man. The way he was presenting, you know, traditional discipleship, um, you know, we tell people about Jesus, we tell them to read the Bible and everything, and then saying, but, you know, that's not, you're not going far enough there. Mm-hmm. It's really, he's trying to make it sound so superficial as though, you know, regular discipleship is somehow, you know, superficial and not really doing what it should do mm-hmm. of course if you are doing discipleship based on scripture um and script and if scripture is sufficient Ooh. then you don't you aren't really needing something extra especially something that's coming from outside scripture and concepts that are iffy or dubious mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but that that was one of my first thoughts because i've noticed this in a lot of books that i read along these lines is that they'll present this is what's going on in the church and you know and they'll present it in such a way that it sounds very negative or they'll say but that's just not enough you know mm. people aren't really getting what they need from that you know this is what they need yeah. and then that becomes the basis for the the their their theme and their idea and it's like this is what's going to really make you connect with god or this is what's going to make you really um a complete christian or this is what's going to make you really a healthy christian which is more or less what he's saying and this whole thing about emotional health i mean i thought about it and i thought okay how do you fit that in with scripture because to me your emotional self your your emotional life it's tied into everything else. I mean, it's tied into your thoughts. It's tied and it's tied into your faith and how you walk with Christ as a Christian. And you don't need to isolate it and try to come up with a method to be emotionally healthy. I think that being emotionally healthy is going to be a result of being you know healthy. living a biblical life right. according to Scripture, That's and right. you know getting getting um getting familiar with the word with yeah. god's uh, with god's word um growing in christ the process of sanctification oh. will make you emotionally healthy i mean of course now i'm not talking about people who may have very severe problems you know i'm right this is talking about kind of just the normal regular person yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are people who need extra help or need counseling and and i understand that and i'm not mm-hmm. saying that that isn't true but we're talking about kind i will of, add that you know, the average person in the in the church i'll add real quickly that even that the people who who, who need counseling and that's real um that should still come from someone biblically grounded <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> because, yeah because well yeah. because we've especially in our context uh we've we've put way more weight in the degree uh than someone's reverence for scripture and so right. people yeah. believe, oh, that's just my pastor. I can't go to them with these deep-rooted issues that I have. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? Maybe, I mean, maybe there's somebody else who can also join, but, man, you should have a shepherd 
who, who you trust to point you to yeah. the truth of scripture and, and, and walk with you in that too. But yeah, sorry, that was just an aside. I, no, no, it's true. And, and so he paints a picture that gives him the platform to say, this is what I discovered, you know, and this is what has really just opened my eyes to how you can really grow as a Christian. You, but you are not going to grow. He basically says you are not going to grow as a Christian if you don't become emotionally. I uh, literally healthy. wrote that note on that page. That that he he shattered Second Timothy. He shattered Second Peter. Um, we need not only do we need more than scripture, but you know, uh, coincidentally and just conveniently for him, need we need emotionally healthy yeah. spirituality book. <laughs> in order yes. to be whole Christians. Yes, and he has workbooks and all kinds of things, you know, a whole curriculum wow. that goes with this. Yeah. And this is being used in churches. Yeah. And I know it's not, he's not a household word or anything, but I have been getting a lot of messages from people on Facebook, sometimes emails, but mostly messages on Facebook from people saying, our pastor wants us all to read this book by Peter Scazzaro. Do you know anything about him? Mm. Um, or do you have anything on him? Because I was looking at the book and it kind of bothers me, you know, and they're here again. They're not sure why it's bothering them, but they feel like it's off. And um, I, I, so many people have contacted me saying that, they're, this book is either recommended or they're going to read it in their church or they're going to read it in their small group or whatever. So it's out there and yeah. his curriculum, you know, he has a lot of stuff, a lot of material that is used by churches. I want to read one more segment from this intro and then I want to go into some deeper parts of the book and read them and then get your thoughts. Um, okay. Uh so this, I guess this is a part of the straw man that he built. Um, I, I hear this time and time again when people are making an argument for more than Christianity, more than Scripture. Uh, let me read this section. This is, this is coming to faith in Christ. The delusional, uh, disillusioned and unsure of God's existence by the age of 13, I had left the church. Convinced it was irrelevant to real life, it was through a Christian concert in a small church and a Bible study of our university campus that, by God's grace, I became a Christian. I was 19. The enormity of God's love in Christ overwhelmed me. I immediately began a passionate quest to know this living Jesus who had revealed himself to me. For the next 17 years, I plunged headfirst into my newfound evangelical charismatic tradition, absorbing every drop of discipleship and spirituality I could. I prayed and read scripture. I consumed Christian books. I participated in small groups and attended church regularly. I learned about spiritual disciplines. I served eagerly with my gifts. I gave away money freely. I shared my faith with anyone who would listen. Following college graduation, I taught high school English for one year and then worked for three years on staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, a Christian ministry serving college students. Eventually, this led me to Princeton and Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminaries, one year in Costa Rica to learn Spanish and the planting of a multi-ethnic church in Queens, New York. For those first 17 years, as a devoted follower of Christ, however, the emotional aspects of my humanity remained largely untouched. What yeah. are your thoughts about that? That, 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 um, where was that? That's, that is on 14 and 15. Oh, okay. And, and, yeah. 
as you're finding it, my my first thought, especially with the, I did the things, I, I met Christ and I did all the stuff. And what's very interesting is I heard that he met Christ and I didn't hear what Christ did. I, I didn't hear anything of what Christ did. I heard about what he did. And it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I heard that, I hear that a lot from people who have left the faith. Um, yeah. Where I've done all the things. I was as spiritual as possible and it didn't work. Yeah. What about you? What are your yeah. thoughts? Yes. Um, no, I agree. And I, I've heard that too. Um, it actually reminds me a little bit of when I was reading uh, uh, Rob Bell's book, Velvet Elvis. And, and uh, there was another book. Um, I've forgotten the guy's name too, but he was around that same time period. And it's like, well, I did. I went to church and I you know, went to Sunday school and I did this and I did that. And I was a gung-ho Christian. But you know, it just wasn't enough. It was, and it's almost like they're expecting something to happen if they do the X, things. Y, Z, yeah. you know, if I do X, Y, and Z, then everything's going to come together for me, or I'm going to have all this joy and peace or whatever. And um, it's, it's kind of like, they're not, they're not really getting <laughs> the message of scripture, right. which, which is you serve, you serve Christ and let him work through you. And the joy that that ha you have is in your relationship with Christ. Things in, in life may not go so great. In mm -hmm. fact, a lot of times they don't when you're serving the Lord. And but that's not that's not the point. You're not trying to get some kind of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's it's like they have an expectation that's not a false expectation of, right, of things. Right. You and so then they feel like something's missing. You started with the straw man. Um, in, in, if you're unfamiliar with a straw man, it's just you, instead of representing, I guess, your opponent or whatever, who you're talking about, the argument, the opposing argument, um, realistically and genuinely uh, with integrity, you create this straw figure made out of skinny sticks so it's easier to tear down. It's false. Mm -hmm. It's a false narrative that you're creating. Right. And so this right. idea of what Christianity is, <clears throat> is false when it comes to biblical Christianity. However, the, the thing he's, what did he say? The meet Jesus, go to church, connect, yeah. serve, give, and impact yeah. the world. We do see that very often as the picture of what it means to be a Christian mm -hmm. here in the West, don't we? Yeah. yeah. I mean. Everyone's got to be a missionary. Yeah, so the false expectation and and in not not even a, a biblical missionary, but like right, a, yeah, right, an yeah. event event yeah. based missionary. missionary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that expectation, Marsha, that you brought up, I think gets set a lot. Um, how do you think books like this end up so attractive? Is it the pragmatism behind it all? I mean, what? what why is yeah, it so attractive? I, I think there's a lot of pragmatism, and I think the fact that. He uses his own experiences hmm. to to basically support his views, you know, because he talks about one of the things he talks about a lot is, you know, he was wearing a mask mm. and he was a pastor for all these years at a church and he was just wearing a mask. And that that finally led to his awakening. Um, I don't think he uses that word, but basically mm -hmm. what he's saying that that led to his awakening or his realization that he wasn't really being authentic he wasn't really being who he's supposed to be he was trying to be somebody he wasn't 
And so he has this whole idea that Christians are wearing masks. Christians are not emotionally healthy. Um, this is what's missing from their life. Um, I just happened to uh, flip on page 17. He has a picture of that iceberg that he has on the cover. Yeah. And he has the line drawn where you only see the top of the iceberg. And he says, the problem is, he says about how 90% is below the surface of the 90% of the iceberg. And he says, the problem is that a large portion remains untouched by Jesus Christ until there is a serious engagement with what I call emotionally healthy spirituality. Yeah. You know, and I wrote underneath that, I wrote based on question mark. They're right. Jesus is there. (laughs) You've been won over and he's like, Marsha, if I could just get all of you, you just need to read emotionally healthy spirituality by Peter Peter Scacero. (laughs) I know. I just, I don't know. It just, um, you know, and I, and I have other other things I wrote here because he, he like he writes about something that happened in his life. His wife left the church that he was. he She left the church. He was pastoring. Is that what, yeah. he, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this was very painful, which I'm sure it was, you know. Um, and he says, my biblical knowledge, leadership position, seminary training, experience and skills had not changed that embarrassing reality. And I, I and wrote because will. you did not understand scripture. Yeah, like, <laughs> they're never meant it's, to. <laughs> it's like he never really engaged with scripture on a, I, I mean, that's that's the impression I got. And that's it's like that's literally up here looking for something or expecting something and not understanding that that's not what 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 you're supposed to look for or expect and and that actually scripture will feed you scripture yeah. is our food i mean yeah. jesus said that you know god's word is the bread of life right and and that is our spiritual nourishment and if you aren't understanding it or aren't really engaged with it then you will feel like you're starving yeah. for something you know when i i mean in the beginning of reading it i felt sorrow for him yeah um both in the circumstance as he he lists out i said i was getting away from the intro but you know he he builds up this case for emotionally healthy spirituality by saying that um he agreed to take a meeting after a service um and he had already agreed to spend time with his family his wife reluctantly agreed because she loves him uh and so people were over at his house while he was in this meeting too long with his wife, his wife was clamoring around, daughter gets away, they lose track of her, and she almost drowns in the pool. Um, yeah. And I'm like, man, that's hard. That's hard. And, and so what he calls spirituality in that, I, I, I put a question mark. What do you mean by spirituality? If what yeah. you mean is idolatry, because I think you were idolizing your ministry. That's why you had to say yes so that people stay at your church and so that your church can be successful. Like all of that stuff can be fleshed out. That's sin. (laughs) You're neglecting your family. That's something that a a healthy brother could point out to you. You know, like those things, I'm thinking, man, you're suffering and nobody's telling you. Yeah. Yeah, that story was, and that that was supposedly his wake-up call to realize he needed to be emotionally healthy. And I'm like, no, that's not what, (laughs) that's not what, what's going on here, you know? And um, I don't know. I also thought, because apparently he and his wife were in this conversation with this man and his wife from his church. And that was this long conversation where the man wanted to talk and he just kept talking. And so... 
Peter Scazzaro and his wife kept sitting there listening to him. And meanwhile, I think their three-year-old daughter is off by herself. Yeah. I don't. And, and somehow he's saying, well, you know, I really felt I had to stay there. But I kept thinking, why didn't the wife just say, excuse me, I need to go check on mm, our daughter. I mean, she is only three years old. She is only I think three. They would understand. Would <laughs> you need to go check on a three-year-old who's by herself. Yeah. And. Uh, but but they didn't. They they apparently quite a bit of time went by. Yeah, I know. You're um, saying there's some easier fixes to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not, yeah, the, yeah. The problems the problems about that situation are not because he needs emotionally healthy spirituality. That's not yeah. That's not the, the fix for it. But that's what? what he says is the fix, and that leads into, you know, that's his reasoning for or at least for him, he thinks that demonstrates you know, how great the need is for this emotionally health. And all Christians need this apparently because we're, you know, we're just the iceberg at the, we're at the top part of the iceberg and yeah. we're missing all this deep 90% below. Right. Beland, yeah. Can that's you, right. Can you understand why, remember when we first started talking about this book, why I was genuinely confused by the cover? What was what was your thing again? I know it was stupid. What it, was, was it? it wasn't stupid because we decided that like, yeah, that doesn't really make sense. What? I, I just asked, why did he pick an iceberg? Why did he think? And, and I guess it's because Christians are just living the surface of their faith. The deep is yeah. going deeper is better. But like in an iceberg, like that's where it's more, it's more dangerous down there. Like that's where, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like <laughs> it didn't make sense in the, in the context of an actual iceberg. That's yeah, the bad yeah. part. Yeah, right. The top is what you see. And it's like, oh, we're clear. Oh, no. Yeah. We hit an iceberg. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. you're. It's purely visual. I, th- I remember that conversation. I I'm taking that. it more literally. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It his thing is purely visual. Well, Darren, Darren, I, I kind of, I, and my view of the iceberg because I've often thought, thought I may have even used as an illustration sometimes, is that what you see this part above the water, but you don't see underneath. To me, it's a picture of deception. Right. That that's so exactly what an iceberg I, is. I think of yeah. it as a picture of deception. So I was confused about it too. Yeah. When I that's what I got. I thought, why, why, why do you pick an he iceberg? Why is a picture of an iceberg? And what's he trying to communicate? <laughs> right. Well, and here's an example of it. Here, here's an example of it. This was the first page, Marsha, since me being removed from seminary, almost 10 years that I flipped open to and I read it. It's on page 39 and it was just the title of the chapter. Um, Know yourself that you may know God becoming your authentic self. I read that and I said, Oh my, what is this? (laughs) What, what comes to mind when you read that title? Oh yeah. I am very familiar with this because this is used by the Enneagram teachers to support the Enneagram. And he even uh, refers to Augustine. Uh, the Enneagram teachers referred to Augustine and or John Calvin, who said it. Calvin apparently said it, I think, quoting Augustine. Mm-hmm. But what Augustine yeah. meant by this yes. was that that it's he didn't he wasn't saying you need to understand and analyze yourself and look at yourself in order to know God. That's how you're going to know God. Mm-hmm. He's saying, you know, you know the greatness of God, the majesty of God by seeing that you're a creature who's in need of God. Right. You know, who's in need of God's salvation. You're just this creature who doesn't know what's going on, doesn't, and here's God who knows everything, who knows the future, 
who sent Jesus Christ. And so that the idea is more of an idea that you're comparing. It's like, oh my goodness, how, how it's very humbling for me mm-hmm. to think, you know, when I see who I am, yeah. that makes me aware of God's greatness. That's like more a psalm. It's that, a psalm eight type of, of reflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's and and Augustine's very humble and things that he wrote in that yeah. sense of um, of recognizing God's majesty and God's greatness and how He is just this creature. Yeah, and yeah. yet God loves Him, and it's very it's very. He wrote from a very humble standpoint about this, and so what the Enneagram teachers did was take this idea and um, say, okay, they and, and misusing what Augustine said and, and John Calvin saying, so that's why you have to do the Enneagram, which for people who are listening, and, and there might be some people who don't know what it is, it's a nine-point diagram, uh, and each point represents supposedly a type, and you find out, your type Mm -hmm. and then that's supposed to help you understand all kinds of stuff about yourself and your relationships so so the enneagram teachers are saying yes see that's what uh augustine and calvin said so you can use this enneagram to know yourself and then you and you know god that way um and of course that's not true the way we know god is through god's revelation of who he is in scripture and through christ and jesus said you know he said to Philip, you know, if you've, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right. How can you say, show me the Father when you've seen me? Because you have seen the Father. Yeah. And I, I, I actually have that in my article on this book. Mm. I, I put that passage in there to, because I, I have a section on this. And I said, you know, right away, the title of this chapter is completely false. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the sense that schizero means it. That's which exactly is, right. You got to delve into yourself and and know to know God. I mm. this look. I'm going to read a little bit of Psalm eight. On Psalm eight, um, <clears throat> David, O Lord, I'm going to skip around a bit. I'm not going to read the whole thing just to prove a point. O Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? When I look at your heavens. The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. At at any point, this is Brandon speaking now, at any point somebody could probably kind of clip some of that psalm and make it about creation worship, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. They're they're gazing at the heavens and the stars and they can take it out of context. And if that person did that, there would be only two options for me when it comes to the conclusion about that person. Either they're ignorant of the text, the scriptures, and therefore I shouldn't be learning from them, or they're deceptive, and I should stay away from them. Those are the only options. Right. And when I, right. when I read this, I want to get your thoughts on, uh, let's, let's go a little bit deeper, underneath, because I hadn't even read anything under the chapter yet. All I, all I did was read the title, and I'm thinking, Authentic Self. Okay. He says this, awareness of yourself and your relationship with God are intricately related. In fact, the challenge to shed our old false self mm-hmm. in order to live authentically in our new true self strikes at the very core of authentic spirituality. <laughs> Small paragraph, but there was a lot said in that statement. Yes. 
<laughs> a lot. <laughs> what what's what yeah. what is the top of the iceberg in that statement, and what's the bottom b- part of the iceberg in that in that small paragraph? From my from my viewpoint, mm-hmm. not from Scazzaro's viewpoint. No, from your viewpoint. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. From your viewpoint. Yeah. Well, he's making it sound like okay. There's a false self you have to get rid of. Now, this is another one of his teachings that is not based on scripture. And I also discuss this in my article because he's got this this false self and true self dichotomy going on here. And of course, like I said earlier, he felt like he was wearing a mask and was not really who he was supposed to be or who he really could be. And so that was his false self. And so he's, but he's making it sound, the top of the iceberg is kind of like, yeah, if you have this false self and you can live so much better with the new self. And the word authentic, Mm -hmm. I think, um, makes it sound very good. I think it makes it appealing to people, Mm -hmm. authentic. Mm -hmm. Uh, But actually, this is not authentic at all because scripturally, there's no such thing as a false self and a true self. Right. Right. There's the old old self, the fallen self, Mm -hmm. and there's the redeemed self that comes from the new birth in Christ. Yeah. And so you have, you know, the old, the old self or what's called the old man sometimes. And you have the new self, the uh, reborn, the born a new self, the new creation in Christ. And there's several passages that talk about this new self. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have. That's, that's, those are the two parts that scripture talks about. And this old self, false self, some people may think when they're reading this, that's what he's talking about. Yeah. They may think he's talking about the fallen self versus the new self in Christ, but that's not what he's talking about because Scazzaro has very, been very, very deeply influenced by what I call contemplative spirituality. Hmm. And he's been very influenced by the contemplatives like uh, Richard Rohr, Thomas Keating, uh, William Menninger, mm-hmm. and these people all teach a true self-false self dichotomy. Yeah. It's taught in contemplative teachings. It's a very, it's a very common teaching that I ran into before the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. It's in the Enneagram as well, but it's there before the Enneagram. And his book came out. I think this one, anyway, this one that I have is 2015. And I don't know if he knew about the Enneagram then or not. Cause he doesn't mention it here, but later no, he yeah. did. He supports the Enneagram. But um, I'm thinking that that he got this true self, false self from these contemplative teachers. And, yeah. and he refers on this very same page that you read from. Mm-hmm. He refers to Eckhart, Meister Eckhart, yeah. who was a, a mystic. Yeah. And actually, I think was declared heretical by the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And Teresa of Avila, he refers to her, who was also a mystic. Um, And then later, he refers to other other mystics and these people with these contemplative ideas. And their idea of this true self, false self, is there's a true self that is that is really your connection to God. And then the false self is what you think is who you are, but it's not really who you are. Yeah. So it doesn't really have to do with the fallen self and the new birth in Christ. Right. It's another, it's another paradigm. 
and he is looking at things through that paradigm. And he's just weaving book. people in and out of a yeah. scriptural context and a and a heretical context. Like he t- he says, Saint Paul the Apostle expressed this as to put off your old self. That's what you were referring to. That's mm. on the same yeah. page, and to put on yeah. the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Meanwhile, the context has nothing to do with some emotional healthiness, empowerment, right. or whatever, has everything to do with the fact that you were dead in your trespasses and you've been made alive in Christ. And that's it. That's absolutely it. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's exactly. Um, and so um, I remember I was in a conversation uh, just trying to convince someone who, who was reading the book as well, like, hey, be mindful of the fact that this person is using heretics. Mm. He, he's using heretics to prove a point. He's He's, a, an, he's yeah. advocating for heretical teachings. And, and so the response to me was, well, it, just because they're heretics doesn't mean they can't say things that are true. And, and trying to be kind in the conversation, I'm saying, that is right. I'll grant you that. Do you know that one of the greatest leaders in the history of the world was Adolf Hitler? <laughs> now, if I'm reading a leadership book and someone is quoting Adolf Hitler... I'm going to naturally ask questions and say, bro, why are you quoting him? <laughs> right, right. What, what exactly are you advocating for? Mm-hmm. Aside from the fact that he got people to do the things that he wanted them to do, what exactly are you advocating for underneath the surface there? You know, right. <laughs> what, what, what are you advocating for? Um, yeah. yeah. And gonna- that's that, I, that line that you heard from that person that just because they're heretics doesn't mean they can't say something true or helpful mm-hmm. i that's that is being said more and more um and what people will do is like they'll point to paul quoting the pagan poets right and they'll, they'll, they, that's used as a defense for um bringing in all kinds of bad teaching and and you know it's like now people just need to sit there and think about it wait a minute what is paul doing when he's quoting pagan poets He's quoting things they said that are harmonious with scripture, not mm-hmm. con- not against scripture. Right. He's he's quoting them to show here's a truth that you've heard from your own poets. Yeah. And this is a truth from God. This is, you know. And so yes, there and all truth is God's truth. That right. that's another line that's used a lot. But it's but the thing is that's misused. It's yeah. misused because it has to I be true. say <laughs> somebody right, yeah. says that about something then then say, yes, but first we have to ask, is it true? Right. right. <laughs> right. If it's not true, then that, that all truth is God truth does not apply. Yeah. So, you know, the, the authentic self and this false self and, and true self, he tries to make it seem like it's a biblical thing, but it's not at yeah. all. And um, I just, you know, I, I and I want to say to people, you know, yes, okay, a heretic might might say something that's true. But is that really somebody we want to go to? You know, is that somebody he should quote in a book that all these Christians are going to read? Because some of these, some people reading this may not know that person has bad teachings. You're right. Like Richard Rohr. That's exactly they right. They may not think there's any problems with Richard Rohr. Exactly. Um, and so you you may unknowingly lead that person to somebody like Rohr or one of the other people he talks about, like, I mean, like Daniel Goleman's not even a Christian. Neither mm. was M. Scott Peck, but he mm. quotes from them and promotes them. Yeah, um, M. Scott Peck was sort of a New Age Buddhist. Mm. And Daniel <laughs> Goleman is an admirer of the Dalai Lama. He even wrote um, 
a book on the Dalai Lama. He loves the Dalai Lama. Um, I've posted on Daniel Goleman several times on Facebook. There's a picture I use of him with the Dalai Lama. Um, Quick question for you, Marsha. He may be he may be kind of Buddhist, but I don't know that he said he's Buddhist. Here's a quick question for you. Did you see that video of the Dalai Lama sucking on that boy's tongue? Yeah, I yes, I did, and that you know I, What's that I was about? asked about that before, and I I did see it and read something about it, um, you know, and I think these people like the Dalai Lama who are in these positions really where they're revered. I mean, he is considered a living Buddha. Yeah, that's interesting. And when they get to a position like that, where either they have a lot of power or they're very highly revered, um, they feel they can get away with anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, a, I think we see that. I think there are all kinds of examples of that. That's, what I, thought was a, right. that's what I thought was the case. But then people came to his defense. And, and, I, and I don't mean Buddhists. Uh, I, I mean, like, you know, 30-year-olds from Sacramento. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> I mean, they all came to the Dalai Lama's defense. Like, this is a traditional thing. They do this in their culture. It's like, wait, I've never seen any videos of other right. Indians sucking on tongues. I'm oh the, I just don't. Y'all. And you don't see that going around. Somebody needs to tell the Dalai Lama cultural. that's Dolly nasty, man. Yeah, you can't just label everything cultural. <laughs> yeah, you know? bro. You just don't get it. I, I get it. I get that. That's nasty, <laughs> yeah, bro. Okay, okay. So kind of like I know like, it's 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 just, but you know, see, that's people's thinking. They cannot bring themselves to think badly of someone like the Dalai Lama. He's held in a very high regard in this culture. I went and heard him speak in person in Ithaca, New York, on the campus of Cornell University in 2008. A friend of mine who lived up there bought tickets for me and her, and we went. Because she knew I had, you know, I had been briefly involved in Tibetan Buddhism. And I also was dealing with that with the Mm. Dalai Lama in my ministry. And when he finally came in onto the platform, there were 5,000 people there. All of them stood up and clapped and they applauded for five minutes. Wow. Now, my friend, I did not stand up because I thought (laughs) I'm not standing up because that would indicate I somehow... I'm giving him, um, you know, honor or I'm agreeing with him or I think he's a, a great person. You know, I'm, he's probably a, maybe a nice person. I don't know. But I think he's, you know, he's being used by Satan to deceive so yeah. many people. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to stand up for him. So I just kept sitting and I looked at my friend and I said, I'm not standing up. And yeah. she said, I'm not either. And we just sat there for five minutes while I everybody else stood up and applauded. You know, I wish there was a picture This of is the... It, that's what I mean. He inspires this adulation. So therefore, when something like that happened, that incident with that young boy, people are just going to somehow justify it in their minds or whatever they hear that sounds like a good reason for it. And they'll accept it because they yeah. don't want to think he's actually doing anything wrong. Yeah. I'm going to read a couple of things from your article, but then I'm going to ask okay. a question because uh, I want to okay. make sure we're still going on time. But I want people to hear some of the things. And okay. and guys, remember this. Is, what are you going to say? Yeah, yeah, I was going to summarize something real quick. Okay, go ahead. About like what his book seems like it's mostly, which I don't know how he gets there, but it's mostly subjective. He's he's yeah. taking his life, his individual experiences. And blanketing Christianity with it, I think that kind of comes with a mm-hmm. a high view of himself. 
That means I've done all, I've, you know, I've accomplished as much as any Christian could accomplish without emotional, spiritual, healthy or yeah. emotional health. Marsha literally says that one of the first things under biases and anecdotes, these bullet points, Cazero is very subjective and writes from his own experiences. His experiences become the basis for his advice and for some of his interpretations of scripture. He is mm. anecdotal based. Yeah, well, yeah. And that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what you said, Darren. You're right. <laughs> It's like, how can he say that about all Christians? All Christians need this thing that I wish I yep. had yeah. when I was. That's right. I mean, because we did. I mean, like we, we've done that. We've been in church doing all the stuff. Right. And not been saved. That's right. That's exactly right. That's possible. That's right. <laughs> Meaning just the translation. You're saying that we've been people who speak Christianese. Right. Yeah. Do Christian stuff. But we were not in Christ. Right. Yeah. Right. We were not in Christ. Right. Um, she also says, uh, Marcia, Marcia, you also say, Scazzaro writes that God speaks to us through our feelings. It, quote, through a knot in the stomach, muscle tension, trembling and shaking, the release of adrenaline, unquote. He offers no scriptural support for this amazing claim. You know, another thing that I'll say, this is Brandon speaking now, is it, it, it's very subtle. But because of the positions that the Lord has just put me in time and time again, he is most critical of Christians who quote scripture. Hmm. I mean, did you catch that? He, yeah. he, he was very critical. Now I get it. It could be, it could be taken as like a, a Christian who is just um, given a pad answer without even caring what the scripture means and just saying, you know, the Lord has a plan. All things work out for good, but he yeah. has, he has a special place in his heart for that Romans eight passage, 28. For we know that all things work for good for, the, for those who know, uh, love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And I'm like, he uses that as like kind of pseudo slanderous uh, towards yeah. Christians who use it. But it's still true. It's act, it actually is true. Does, even when you know what it means. Did you did you catch that at all? I don't you know, I don't remember that. Yeah, I, I um, I'm. I, I read the book, but I just don't remember everything. And I, I guess other things caught my attention. So I don't, what page is that on? Do you know? That's a good question. I'm going to try to find, he has this, uh, our God feels. Mm. It might've um, been that, in the beginning. Um, I'm going to take a quick second and look for it and then see. Well, I thought the thing about, about um, God speaking through your feelings was very bizarre. I thought, how is God speaking to me through a knot in my stomach? Or, <laughs> I mean, I'm oh, like, yeah. I just don't understand that. Yeah. And he do, he mentions it again later in the book, and he doesn't really explain how he how he comes to that view, as I recall. That's it. But yeah. I just think I I don't I'm like, there's no scriptural basis for this. How is God, you know, my body speaking to me? But I, in a sense, but I don't think God's speaking to me yeah. uh, normally through sensations in my body. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, there's no, there is no biblical truth to that. Um, so this is what it was, 22, and, and you said it, that there is no explanation. And so one of my arguments, especially on books like this, is that when someone says something where there is no explanation and interpretation is inherently ambiguous, then that becomes dangerous because now yeah. whoever's reading it will be led based on their own preconceived notions. <laughs> they're, they're not being guided towards the truth. And it's, I mean, it's intentional because just like we talked about with the Enneagram last week, mm -hmm. 
it's intentional in a way because if it's too specific, then it weeds out some people. Yeah, right. If it's open-ended, then more people can cling on to it. True. And trying to find an end. Right. That's exactly right. So this was that list. This was that list. It's on page 22. Um, Okay. In short, these are the top 10 symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. Using oh, okay. using God to run from God, I think that's the one I had a big issue with because yeah. it's just weird. What does that mean? And it doesn't really yeah. go into ignoring anger, sadness, and fear, dying to the wrong things, denying the impact of the past on the present, dividing life into secular and sacred compartments, um, doing for God instead of being with God, spiritualizing mm-hmm. away conflict, covering over brokenness, weakness, and failure, living without limits, judging other people's spiritual journey. Now, we who I would feel comfortable to say are mature in the faith, can read through this list and have a biblical lens to actually make this conform to what the truth of Scripture teaches, right? Um, mm-hmm. Maybe even some of these things probably still don't fit. But, but still, there, there, I think there are some helpful things if you have the necessary lens to filter out uh, what's not true with what is true. Um, that it would conform to the truth of scripture. But when you have one like using God to run from God, this is what I immediately thought about. I immediately thought about a deconstructionist or a young believer who thinks they have a legitimate reason to walk away from the Lord because humans did something they didn't like. And so now when anybody says anything about scripture, about its reverence, about the Lord, about how we ought to revere him with fear and trembling, obey him, then they can be placed into a category of using God to run from God. You're one of those emotionally unhealthy people, Marsha. I read your articles. I read your articles. You keep quoting scripture. You're running from God in some type of way, aren't you? Yeah, all of this scripture yeah, I'm quoting using you're God doing. to run away from God. That's I'm right. Quoting scripture, I'm talking about the Bible all the time. Yeah, you're always and talking about the Bible. What is that? What, what, what are you that? hiding? What are you running away from? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. And see, these things can be twisted. And I think his, um, you know, of course, these all lead up to what he wants to say. Uh, you know, like denying the impact of the past on the present. Well, and then he goes into later and in that crazy bizarre tool called the gene genio geneogram yep. where you go into the your ancestors and all the bad things they supposedly did or the fan the family did and how it's impacting um and i i talk about that too but uh that's you know that's gonna be what he talks about there and mm. then the the one that really caught my eye was doing for god instead of being with god, being with god. that mm. is exactly what all the contemplatives say mm. you're doing things but really why don't you just be and why don't you just be with god now this had brought flashbacks to me you know flashbacks to the new age for me because one of the big things you hear all the time which comes from it's a influence from eastern spirituality is you know we're not here to do we're here to be hmm. you know we're not here to do it's all about being um that's a very it's really very buddhist influenced hmm. um and so the the buddhist influence some of it is there in some of the contemplative spirituality because a lot of them were influenced by buddhism like he mentions ruth haley barton ruth haley barton had a buddhist mentor hmm. and and so that i i can recognize these buddhist ideas because i was really into yeah. 
reading Buddhist stuff and Buddhist thinking and doing Buddhist meditation for like 14 years. And so um, that's what that reminded me of. Yeah. But I also know that's what the contemplatives talk about because that's how they promote their idea right. of doing these practices, which he later talks about quite a bit doing the examine, the Ignatius prayer of examine mm -hmm. and doing the centering prayer and all these things that, um, and he had William Menninger speak at his church, in fact. Oh, wow. Uh, and I actually watched that. I That was... Oh, right. I remember you telling that's me That's a video of that. I watched that and did a Facebook post on it. Yeah. Now, I want to be charitable, especially with a little bit of time that we have left. Okay. I want to be charitable. And let's take, let's take one you just pointed out. The doing, what do you say? Being with, doing for God instead of being with God. That's, yes. that's a sign of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. Right. I imagine he is drawing that conclusion also from a poor Western methodology of ministry. Yeah. Common. Sounds like he needs more devotion. But poor. And that Sunday is a the big culminating day of our faith where we put on the events and the show and we have to keep up that show so the people don't leave. That will leave you yearning for some type of peace, some type of fellowship with God that you don't enjoy. But then they end up going towards this Eastern spirituality when what they all need to do is just go to Scripture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. just, just Stop doing church that way. Well, I mean, I think that we have a very uh, go, 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 go. You know, there are people who listen to us uh, from different parts of the country, so probably people have a slower-paced um more uh, thoughtful, liturgical, just worshipful service. Um, or some people are probably in a very super seeker sensitive where they got to do all the bells and whistles. And you know who's blowing the bells and ringing the whistles? The members. Mm -hmm. And then they end up getting tired. I think, I think that that is something that he has experienced. And he thinks that that is biblical methodology of what yes. it means to be the church. Right. And it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's another straw man it's another straw man right but you take something being done poorly mm -hmm. or being understood poorly and say see that's that's what people are doing that's why they're messed up or why you're messed up so that's why you got to do this that's why you need this that's why you need emotionally healthy if you just have this see that'll fix these problems right so you know it's it's like you said it's very subtle it's a very, very. subtle kind of of just really deception. Mm. Um, I think he totally believes this. So I'm not saying he's trying to deceive anyone. I yeah. think he's deceived. That's, and so he's deceiving others. That's exactly but right. But it's very subtle. It is really subtle because he says so many things that just on the surface are right off the bat. If you don't really think about them too much or think about the context, they sound okay. Yeah. And um, I just turned, I forgot, you know, I did not put this in my article. I may add it in because I, I left this out. He has a whole section here on Jesus's true self. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then he even says at the bottom of page 57, Jesus was not selfless. Yeah. He did not live as if only other people counted. I mean, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> what, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because... Jesus, of course, lived perfectly. That's why he could be the, the, the sacrifice for sins. And 
he, Jesus doesn't have a true self or a false self. Jesus is just Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. There's no true self, false self about him. Yeah. And also and, right above that, Marsha, he says Jesus disappointed the religious leaders. See, yes. just a short statement like yeah, that is so right. subtly divisive because Jesus's quote-unquote religious leaders were Pharisees, Sadducees, shortened term, those who are far away from God with hardened hearts who stood condemned before God, right? But right. Scazzaro's religious leaders, in context, you know, in general, generally speaking, are Christians. So is he condoning stand, being opposed to those religious leaders who aren't really condoning this type of teaching and, you know, they're, they're con, you know, um, condemning what's being taught in this book, but you're just one of those religious leaders and Jesus opposed religious leaders. So here I am. We're not gonna take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is a, um, he does. I, I think I wrote my article. He does seem to have an, an ax to grind. Um, oh, actually, no, I wrote, I said that about somebody else. I'm putting another article up on my <laughs> website. <laughs> another problem, problematic book and person. <laughs> But in a but but you know now that I've said that in a way he does seem to have an axe to grind uh, against these these straw man ideas he has about the church and about Christianity, and um, yeah he said he also he disappointed the people he grew up with in Nazareth yeah and it's kind of like what are you trying to say that's exactly the are question you trying to say <laughs> it's bad it's good and that's... and was are you trying to say Jesus was aware that he was disappointing people i mean it's just so it's so bizarre yeah. and doesn't seem to it doesn't have anything to do with jesus as we see him in scripture. no no there is no majesty there is no reverence for this being the son of the living god there is no worship you know there's there's that what's the what's the commercial nfl is running it like crazy NFL? Yeah, it's just it just popped in like two years ago. He Jesus gets us. Oh, Jesus he gets, gets us. us. He gets us. Yeah. He gets us. He gets us, yeah. Jesus becomes more and more beautiful to us in this society the more and more he looks like us. And there are aspects where I can see where that's a bridge to understand the eminence of God, right? Right. But that is not how we reflect. God's beauty is reflected in it. I mean, going back to Augustine and what David said in Psalm 8, like, man, that connection starts, if it does start with you, it starts with you by saying, I know I'm in need of salvation. I'm a sinner. I'm a dirty, lying, deceiving, sinful sinner. And there is a holy and righteous God. And yet his response while I was a sinner was to send his son to die for me. How beautiful in holy and majestic is this God. Um, that's the connection from us to God that can only be made there. But, you know, what we do with Jesus is we're like, hey, man, I mean, you know, the legend has it that he found a board. And <laughs> legend he, he had found some wheels on that. He put the wheels on the board and he did an ollie kickflip. Jesus skateboarded, bro. Man. Jesus skateboarded, bro, just like us. He skateboarded. And then that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Sheesh. Yeah. Well, the way he does the three temptations really, really upset me. Oh, he completely and butchered I write about that, that and how the, the what Satan was doing was offering Jesus three masks yeah. to wear. And that these are the three, you know, the three temptations were also offered. And he 
treats each temptation as though it, it completely reinterprets it according to his view and completely de detract he completely destroys the meaning of it yes and the whole beauty of it yes. he, he just it's completely destroyed the way he writes about it and i i it did almost make me cry and i put that yeah. in my article i said reading this made me want to cry because that's true i did almost cry mm -hmm. i felt like crying when i read that because it was so offensive to mm -hmm. me to talk about Jesus and the temptations that way. You're right. It just it just was so offensive. So he he there's there is a lack to me of the the um majesty, mm. you know, the 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 reverence for Christ. There's yeah. a lack of of that recognizing who Jesus is and it just it's almost like see Jesus went through these things just like us. Yeah, right. Right. And it's that's kind of the that's idea because right. he talks about Jesus feeling insecure in the yeah. temptations passage and Jesus was insecure and like that's Satan was praying on his and I'm like yeah, what what where where, where yeah. are you getting that Jesus is insecure you know <laughs> and I I mean really I I wrote well, I wondered what bible he was reading yeah passion uh, and then page 115 I notice right here he's well one 114 he says detachment is the great secret of interior peace well, that's nice. what Buddhism teaches, detachment. Right. right. Yeah, we draw And then he near. has on the next page, Richard Rohr has written extensively about the five essential truths to which men must awaken if they are to grow up into their God-given masculinity and spirituality. And I'm thinking, he's saying Richard Rohr has written about <laughs> five essential truths and we're supposed to listen? To that, that's there are terrible. many people who have no idea who three, Richard Rohr I put is. Three big stars by that. Like, yeah. this is just awful. Richard Rohr is heretical, right? He's and even, even if he Christian. wasn't heretical, he's a man. Right. Oh, Christian yeah. Peter Scazzaro is a Christian, right? And if you're if you're wanting people to get on this path of true God glorifying spirituality, why aren't you hammering them? with the text of scripture. Exactly. Like, why aren't you just pushing people's faces into the beauty of what scripture teaches, but you give us all these mortals, and then not only mortals, but mortals who distribute teachings that go against God. That yeah, are not they're true. Not even, they're not even mortals with, with good teachings. Right, <laughs> right. They're mortals with bad teachings, or even heretical teachings. And, it's just, it's throughout the book. It's yeah. throughout the book. Um, well, but, you know, when this, somebody asked about this book in a group I'm in on Facebook, yeah. a women's group, and, you know, several people did point out, oh, yeah, there's problems with that and, 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 and would say something or, or maybe uh, have a link to an article. Uh, but a few people were just defending it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, this book helped me. And so he quotes a few bad people and, and I'm like, but the whole book is written yeah. not from the viewpoint of scripture. It's yeah. written from the viewpoint of Peter Scazzaro. Well, in their and defense his of world it. view about which comes from his own experiences and his own life. And his realization of what he calls, which, you know, who knows what that really is, emotionally healthy spirituality. That's his that's <laughs> right. his thing. He made it up. Yeah, right, you're right. Exactly. I know. He made I, it and up. you know, the only person he can deal uh, appeal to who comes anywhere close to it is Daniel Goleman, who wrote the book Emotional Intelligence, 
which mm. oh, I yeah. did a Facebook post on a few years ago. I'm very familiar with Daniel Goleman. I think I've done about five or six Facebook posts on him. I don't have an article on him yet. But Daniel Goleman wrote Emotional Healthy Spirituality, which caused a big splash. Emotional intelligence. Because, I mean, he has a degree from Harvard. Um, but that book was heavily criticized by a lot of other psychologists. A lot oh, of, wow. of psychologists criticize that book. And there's even an article, I think it's in the New York Times, or it may not be the New York Times. I know there is a critical article in the New York Times. But one of the articles says, you know, emotional spirituality. Uh, not emotional spirituality. I'm, not, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm caught up with this book now. Mm. He says emotional intelligence doesn't exist. Mm. Like this is something Daniel Goleman made up. It doesn't even exist. So here he's appealing to Daniel Goleman, who, as I said, is a big fan of the Dalai Lama. And Goleman's idea of emotions, I'll tell you what they are. His idea are is that emotions bring you pain and sorrow. So you have to learn what? how to control them. So it's, you know, it's not even just from a secular viewpoint, it's not even good advice. Yeah. And he thinks that Goldman's great. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, so this is just, you know, the, we, we've only, we've only hit on like, we yeah, didn't even get we're, we're, this is stuff. just the tip of the iceberg guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's, let's, let's leave this way. Um, what is something the church ought to be mindful of the most is it out of these two is it our lack of discernment or is it our growing attraction towards self-centeredness what i i don't know i think it's both (laughs) say it again that's a hard question say that one more time Marshall. oh both i think i think it's both and yeah and i think i think they play into each other Mm -hmm. you know because if you have the the self-centeredness and interest in self-predominating, it's going to affect your discernment, mm. you know. And if your discernment's poor, you're going to fall for things that appeal to the self, mm. like this book. Yeah. So you know, I think they work work together. Yeah. And I think there's just a whole, whole lot of that going on in the church. Yeah, there is. There is a lot a lot of this self-focused kind of stuff. Right. Is, is very very big. Yeah. Well, Marsha, I say this at the end of every episode that we do with you, but um, I don't think people really understand the weight of uh, the specific cross that Christ has called you to carry as one that he drew out of New Age spirituality to be a war wager on every form of darkness for the sake of the church Um, and oftentimes for the sake of a church that won't really uh, appreciate you. Uh, and we'll probably slander you and call you all types of names and give all types of reasons on why you're wrong. So I just want to encourage you to keep fighting that fight. We're grateful for thank you. Thank you. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, everybody listening, go check out Christian Answers New Age. Right? Dot com. You have a question on a movie, a book, an article, a little squiggly line you saw on the street. Go to Christian Answers New Age and Marsha has an article on it. She has an article well, maybe. on it. That's right. The original <laughs> professional party pooper. Marsha, we love you and thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Brandon and Darren. I'm just really always happy to be your guest and yeah. I appreciate what you guys do. Thank you. So you keep on doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, guys, we hope you appreciated this episode. It was a lot. Go go check it out and grow in your discernment. Pray that the Lord would grow you in your discernment. 
and also pray that the Lord would remove every aspect of self-centeredness and replace it with a Christ-centeredness, that you would look to Christ and have an accurate view of self as a result of it. And we pray that um, that's just a, a habit of all of ours, really, that we grow in it. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Black and Blurred, where you're guaranteed to hear one of two things, our humble opinion or the facts. Holler at us. Thank <laughs> you.